And a good south wind sprung up behind, the albatross did follow. And every day, for food or play, came to the mariner's hollow. God save the ancient mariner from the fiends that plagued thee thus. Why look'st thou so? With my crossbow I shot the albatross. Welcome to the stack. This week we talk about plague literature. Albert Camus, Catherine Ann Porter, Boccaccio's Decameron. And we also talk about how zombie flicks may have primed the pump for people's acceptance and acquiescence to La Peste. Let's listen. You almost made it in to Hong Kong. Hong Kong. I almost, I left for Hong Kong in late April for a variety of reasons that are kind of tedious and I've myself forgotten was not able to proceed to Hong Kong ended up living I got I got yeah I got into a a place that was not Hong Kong but was not the US yeah and was not allowed to proceed because there was Had some to live some petty tyrant I think there was some pri- yeah yeah so so the PCR test that I had, like the documentation said the, the test date and time and not the specimen collected day and time, yeah, which was uh, considered a really big deal. And so I ended up having to live in the airport of this unnamed third country for about five days, trying every which way to get like a PCR test done in that airport and nobody, nobody was willing to be helpful Mm. or see sense. And ultimately, everybody in the world was made incrementally like no, no, in no way was COVID like defeated by or fought by what they were doing to me. Yeah. And the world was made less safe. Um, and anyway, so, so, cause I knew, I mean, like I could have gotten it. I mean, whatever. So, so, um, so got like yeeted back to America, um, chilled out in the West coast for, um, about three weeks and then, and then came over, um, to Hong Kong again directly. Um, so there's like one flight a week direct out of Los Angeles, um, and just did that. It was not full, but there were, there were people going, but it was a complete mess. Um, yeah. And then, you know, when you land, that's half the battle because I think the flight landed at six and I got out of the airport at five because you've got to get another PCR test where they they are really energized and want to get in the in the back of your nose um, to the audience at home if you've never had one of these like the proper way to take the measurement is stick a cotton swab and it's not like a Q-tip thing it's like six feet long I think 
Mm. and they just jam it like do you remember in like those when you're a kid and you're learning about mummies and they show them sticking the stick and they're they get the brain out through the nose yeah 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 put it in a like, they, like jar. Break. yeah 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 nice so, for like the afterlife and so like right. yeah so these like whatever nurses or whoever they are the modern day like priests of set or osiris or whoever um just ready to slam through whatever membrane is there and take my brain out of the nose. So they do that. And then, um, they give you, it's uh it's not an ankle bracelet. It's a, like a wrist bracelet thing. And then you've got to get a smartphone app. Um, and I didn't like test like, Hey, what, like, what do you do if you don't happen to own a smartphone, like you're elderly or something, but anyway, so, and then, and then you get, sent over and like they give you a sandwich and maybe some fruit and a water to wait. And I took that as like a very bad sign. <laughs> we expect you to be here long enough to need this sandwich and stuff. So um, you, you just like wait there and they can't release anybody. It's not like they get your test and then they release you because um, if you were sitting next to somebody on the plane who's positive, that makes you a close contact or something. So you, everybody on the plane's test has to come um and then they they release everybody at once um and then you go through immigration which was not really a process because there weren't that many people and then you you get your stuff and you get on a bus and they take you to your 21 day holding cell in a hotel so, so I, I get out of this whole process at midnight tonight, um, got, and, and then would be free to go. Obviously I'll wait for a few hours after that, but where's, where's your stuff? You know, it's very, yeah. Where's your stuff? The stuff. So like stuff like, um, suitcases and like luggage, yeah, yeah. it comes with you. Um, yeah. So, so you bring, I mean, they, they do, there's all, it's very performative, uh, and I think we'll get into this as we explore the the literature of plague. Um, but it, uh, there is this whole, like, you know, after 9-11, there's the security theater stuff. I mean, everything is very melodramatic. Everybody's in full PPE uh, stuff, like not even double masking. I mean, it's you've got the face shield and their whole covered in the hazmat suit type stuff. Um, and as you get your luggage out onto the bus, that's going to take you to the, uh, the hotel that you're going to stay in, they like spray it with this hot gaseous stuff. And I don't know if it's like aerosolized something. I mean, I can't believe it does anything. Um, and yet it's just something that they do because this is part of what, makes us appear very very serious about uh confronting this virus yeah um i think that way about the, the, uh, the pcr test have you seen the, the i think there's that video floating around of the the inventor of the pcr test talking about how what it actually does is is amplify uh viral particles or whatever so you know it, it basically in a, right. a, a test that amplifies, and then you can you know you can miss th therefore you can misread the test any which way you want to because everybody's yeah. everybody's got a piece of a uh, 
this is all very scientific on my part, but um, I don't know. It's, it just seems well, like PCR is like the homeopathy of, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We've got water, I mean, water he won, memory he won, or something. He, 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 he won a Nobel Prize, right? But, he, I mean, I think that... No, 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 I um, wasn't... I, no, he he was explaining... He, no, 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 no. He, he, yeah, exactly. I, I think that... But normally... It's not like politically contentious how something like this is going to be used, right? right? And he um, he he was being he, honest about, or right. not even honest. He was just explaining, how, you know, this was actually it was back during uh, um, the HIV, uh, I guess you say epidemic, right? And he was just explaining, look, you're you're seeing a good deal more HIV than actually exists, uh, you know, at the di- right. at the disease level because the PCR amplifies, uh, you know, any any molecule you're looking for, basically. Right. So, so he, and, and I mean, he, he really crapped on Fauci in particular back then because, I mean, Fauci is part of the gerontocracy uh, and it's been around forever. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, they, so like since then, I mean, I've had now like three PCR tests since then and like, I don't, I don't know. Um, the thing in Hong Kong is uh, they have, and this is common around Asia, um, but it's like this principle of zero cases and that that's how they're going to defeat the virus. And that's the sort of word that they use. Um, and because that's what they did with SARS and MERS and other uh, coronaviruses that have, have gone around, this one was... Um, potentially like engineered to be something very different right so it just like can't um be beaten that way but they've got it just stuck in their head that they will and so they really uh just are very anal about everything and then also though the population refuses to get vaccinated and so the compliance rate is something ridiculous like 15 percent or something so both saying okay we take this very very seriously but also we're not going to let it run and just get herd immunity that way, nor are we going to, like healthy adults are not going to get the vaccine. So um, I think it's all very f- phony. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about it. All right. I'm glad that we've got your feelings on the matter. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, now now in China, now China itself is having a resurgent... Um, like they got the Indian, I, we're not allowed to call it that anymore, right? But whatever Delta strain or something that is out of India is now in Guangzhou, right? So it's, um, and they've been sitting on it as hard as any big country can hope to have done it. So yeah, it's coming. That's horrifying when you get a, a disease coming out of India because you know that that disease is like, it, it's, it's, it's like the, the NFL f- football player of diseases, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It it has. Um, it's run the gamut of the of the like, of the Indian yeah, uh, immune, immune system. system yeah. Of, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like out of the squalid. Yeah. Whatever, it is, is a beautiful country. It is a beautiful country with wonderful people who shit in the street. Next thing is that we decided we were going to do an, an episode about um, plague literature, and then the thing is, this could this could go, this could go really. Huffington Post and be a listicle, but we're not going to do a listicle. I think because we're um, much better. It's also a, it's also a terrible word. Yeah, it is right. In my opinion, yeah, it's like the it's it's like between a list and a testicle. Right. Yeah. 
I think that, I'm pretty sure that's what it combines. Yeah. yeah, it's when you list your testicles, like one, two, three. Anyway, uh, the point of it was to do um, plague lit, not like HuffPo, and uh, talk about. This was your idea. I think that. I think. Yeah. I well, I, I now I can't. Remember. Who who knows? It, I I think it's interesting to look at. I mean. It, the basic, like high school or undergrad work, would be Camus, right? Yeah, Camus. Camus. Uh, Albert Camus. Right. La Peste. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the plague. Um, yeah. Which and and I I was just kind of brushing up on it because it's been it's been a long time. I think I mean Camus is interesting. He's the only writer that I've even tried to read a novel in French in the original. And I don't read French very well. Um, but L'Etranger was was approachable. And I, I find his his work is um actually pretty pretty good for that. Um, you know, somebody who's not super into uh literature could probably pick pick up some of his novels and get good out of it because his the um the kind of stories and the characterization and everything that he he does is is good, but then everything is much deeper. And La Peste, just to put the frame around it, is about a uh, French colony in Algiers um, in the 1940s. Right? Is it set during World War II? I can't remember. But the, uh, I think it's. Um, I can't. I I don't remember, but I don't think that that was. Uh, it's not a part of no. it. it. It, it, yeah. So, but it kind of around that time. But the um, pre pre penicillin, uh, and there is um, an an outbreak of bubonic plague uh, in this well, in this colony of like two hundred. Uh, it does take place right? in the forties, but he was actually his basis for that was uh, something a, a real much earlier a real right? outbreak that happened in in the early nineteenth century. Um, and and apparently, right. yeah, there had been several um, throughout history. There had been several outbreaks of the plague there, but there was one in in the nineteenth century that was uh, what he uses as a basis for it. But you're right; it did take it did take place, I think, in 1940, if memory serves. It's been like 20 years, so yeah. I, I kind of had to brush up a bit too. Yeah, the um uh and and it's interesting. So so bubonic plague is carried carried by rats and mice or whatever, like rodents. Um, and it is, uh, interesting because it's, I think, isn't that why there is the word quarantine because Genoa or somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, required ships, right. ships to stay out for 40 days. Right. And so there's a couple of things revealed by that. One is, um, there were, even if people did not understand the germ theory of disease, they, uh, had some pretty good understandings of what it took to to keep themselves um, safe and everything. The other one is bubonic plague is pretty much trivially easy to treat by antibiotics, and so it. But it's like a, speaking of HuffPo, like clickbaity type thing where you'll see oh a case of bubonic plague in California, and it's it's the media trying to get people. Uh, really frightened about the Black Death and everything, even though it, it turns just, it turns out that's it turns out happen. it was it was some uh, old dowager who who thought thought she was taking care of cats and it turned out they were like uh, right, marmosets right. or something. 
right? Yeah, I mean, and and uh, you get outbreaks a lot in in northern China and Mongolia because that's that's like the home of um, all all of this stuff, right? Uh, and so the um, I don't know that they cover them in the Chinese media, but there's just like um, you know people get hot and bothered about it. But it it's not a pleasant uh, disease to get. Uh, and if you didn't have antibiotics, it's not good. But, but I think I mean a, a couple of themes that are interesting that that Camus talks about uh, in the work are um, the people who, and we we can spend a lot of time talking about this, but the people who emotionally and financially profit um, out of the epidemic. Yeah, and. Uh, the, so there are some like there is there's some positive frames you can put around that. So in the city, there are people who become uh, very engaged in society and in volunteering to help the sick that had earlier, um, for whatever reason, been uh, kind of out of sorts. And I, I think that the that time of World War II was one where um, that kind of happened in a lot of society. It was like people just felt like life was more meaningful because they were pitching in on this crusade. So here's a microcosm of that where um, the people are joining the ambulance corps or whatever it was um, that do it. Now, on the flip side, there are people who they feel uh, more alive because of it, and then they can't see life now any other way uh, than under the stress of this pandemic because it's given them some uh, reason to live or some notoriety or something. And Are we talking about the, the tic- good, TikTok nurses now? Well, now, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, like that's that's the flip side. So so you have people, I mean, in the early days, that is that is very excusable. If you're sort of like a doctor um, who's who's going in and stuff, I mean, I think it's, it's always cringe to applaud people on the street. It's just like not not attractive to me. But you know, whatever, but that very quickly devolved into something very, very weird. Um, but the, the the worst people are those who it, it just can't help themselves from trying to freak people out and still scare people. Uh, and they'll they'll tweet stuff out. You can always tell because they've got a bunch of emojis oh, yeah. and ASCII characters or whatever in there, and they're just trying to work people up. Um, about you know whatever Indian variant, whatever right. vaccines, you know vaccine defeating variant, uh, and so that's very like conflicting themselves because they're all in the pocket of the big pharma and everything. I'm convinced, but but then they're also trying to undermine the vaccine. So it's like, wh- what do you want? So you're going to make fun of people who don't like the vaccine, but then you're going to keep on f- yapping your craw about this vaccine defeating variant get your story straight. Um, and really what they're just trying to do is the, these are some of the worst people, the worst psychologies that you can imagine. And they've been given this this power over society, um, especially like earlier on. And good, they're, they're not going to give that up for anything. Oh, yeah. You see, oh, it's like yesterday on, on Twitter, I think I saw one, uh, her, her bio was whatever blah 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 uh um i i'm blocked by all of them now so i i wouldn't be able to recall who oh but it was it was the the bio was um vaccinated and still wearing a mask uh mom or something like that you know vaccinated still like what's the what's the point i mean what it right yeah it's and then and then like uh, uh, this house believes in science right (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, so so it reminds it, it, it reminds me of actually like a different a different novel. It's not a not a plague novel um, per se, but um, uh, James Clavell's King Rat. Mm-hmm. Have you read that one? No, I haven't read that. Um, and so so it's about uh, so it's semi autobiographical about uh, the Changi prison in Singapore, oh, okay, uh, yeah. which is um, where where the airport is now, right? Mm. But um, pr- pretty like brutal conditions. The uh, soldiers who had basically failed to protect um, Singapore and, and Malaya from the Japanese uh, and, and were kept there. But there, uh, in the novel, there's a, a group of American um, soldiers that are that are kept there, and one of them is kind of the king of the prison because, uh, and he's just an enlisted like private or something, but he just had the psychology psychological wherewithal and everything to to trade and become a fixer um and then at the not to so spoiler alert but the book's been out for more than 50 years so um it's on you the uh so the war ends i think everybody knew that and and the whole thing falls apart for this guy right because he he had been the king of the prison and now he's just a, a schmuck again and it's kind of left at that yeah and the, what we're witnessing, though, is people really fighting to maintain that power. Right. And that's why you've got, like, all of this stuff of, okay, we just we can never let our guard down. Um, we can never do whatever. I mean, it's just, it's it's all very tedious. I, I think that the, the, the fever pitch is, is over post-Trump. Obviously, this stuff is still useful, but the emotion, they're not getting the emotional hit anymore you know a lot of a a lot of the world is is sort of over it i mean right like i just as an example i i think that florida in general was it was not gonna comply but um they had the bitcoin conference was it last week and um i think that people you know people came from all over the world and and sort of people who came from places where they were having to wear masks and have seen that uh actually it's fine you know uh and so the, the the magic is now gone, uh, or it's 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 evaporating, and and what you're seeing now is these, as you say, sort of desperate people trying to cling to that um, that sense of power or whatever that they got from from their new religious religious experience, which this right. this whole thing has gotten kind of wrapped up into the whatever I'll call it late stage American Empire weird. Um, what is it? Christian heresy along with, with wokeness and, you know, whatever, whatever other sort of weird lefty things that kind of became part of the, the religious climate of the left or um, global American empire anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. At some point they're going to have, yeah, they're going to have to go back to banging other drums or whatever as, as people cease to really pay attention. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess, I mean the half life on, on this will be pretty drastic. I mean, I, at least in, in the U S um, because the, the nine 11 stuff where you're still take, taking your shoe at the off at the airport. Yeah. It, it's, it's sort of a punchline. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like, can we say retarded, but it is, uh, you know, I mean like whatever it affects you for like a total of, even if you fly a lot, like 20 minutes a year, right, mm. that you're not wearing your shoes. Um, this stuff, I mean, they just want to complete control over your life. Um, 
and they got it uh, in some in some ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, people people are just they're 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 going to be over it, um, and they're going to get sick. Some of them are going to get sick, and it's going to be like just a, like a really unpleasant like year because like every time like somebody gets a cold, they're going to blame it on like DeSantis or somebody um, and curse his name, and, and it's just like I don't know. Maybe you get COVID, and then you you know maybe it's bad, and you go to the hospital and they give you ivermectin, <laughs> and you get. Or or hide get better or hydroxychloroquine or hydroxychloroquine which, which like apparently which apparently works now yeah, right two hundred percent effective um, for the people on the uh, whatever that's a number I, I made yeah I said a number I but it's very I mean, effective apparently yeah, I, compared to you know not uh, eating well, the, fish the, the, cleaner the, the claim right right yeah I mean like that guy obviously like was murdered by his. Um, why, yeah. I love like, I love that that was a clearly an obvious uh, example of a wife murdering a husband and then getting national news as this sort of like put upon woman. Right. Trump got Trump right. got a, a blame for this woman murdering her husband. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, um, unfortunately, like a lot of people don't have the same memory for absurd <laughs> episodes as we do. Um, but that was ridiculous. Yeah. I, and as soon as you read the news, my, my husband was uh, eating his steak like, and, and, and put some, yeah, hygiene, right. It's like, a, yeah, some fish tank cleaner or something on it. I don't even remember what it was. It was right, so insane. Right, right, right. <laughs> he, well, it's like, I, I prepared his favorite meal steak for lunch. Right. It's like nobody, like who eats steak? So this is a guy who just like does whatever <laughs> his wife tells him to do, including eat this steak and then, oh, take this medicine and oops, it's Fish it, it reads like a Kathy Bates um, movie, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, that was bad. But like you know, people died because of it. Yeah. Right? It wasn't just him. Yeah. She's, so so that woman, that woman, uh, uh, she's she, she's. You're right, man. She's responsible for untold death and destruction. It's on on, yeah. on her head, be it. That, yeah. that lunatic. I mean, it's it's so I go, going back to La Peste. Um, there, there is also this kind of race against time, yeah. Uh, where the the head doctor is trying to get a serum that works, because uh, that was the the best thing that medicine could could kind of come up with or offer. Um, yeah, they had plague antibiotics. serum in the city, and what happened was, as I recall, they uh, they they got a limited amount, and it had to go to the people who were sort of most in need, uh, and it. That's why I thought actually La Peste was a pretty good choice for sort of our current year situation. So, uh, better than some of the other ones that we could have chosen because some of the uh, same things, same absurd things, whatever you want to say, happened, which was, you know, a shortage of supply. Uh, that happened. And, you know, the increasing sort of like shutdowns, people getting crazier and crazier. Uh, they, they closed the city off at some point. And then you saw quite a lot of things that, um, you know, happened absurdly in real life, like people trying to sneak out of the city, which sort of parallels, what is it, those people who are like, oh, I'm just going to get off the, I'm just going to get off the cruise ship. You know, I don't care who, if I infect the entire island, right. island of Japan or whatever, I'm going to get off the, the cruise ship. Right, right. And this sort of stuff was happening right. in, in his book as well. Yeah, I mean, um, and one one of the 
there's a sympathetic guy who tries to escape the city uh, and then thinks better of it because he, he realizes he would have not been able to live with himself to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, like from the beginning, there were weird episodes. And this is a very, if I may, a very Chinese thing. But um, people who were getting like testing positive and then running running away from the hospital and then this this happened in like Wuhan too and who knows how much was spread by them but there's this belief I don't know if it's like oh if I like escape then I won't be sick like you're wrong I feel fine or I'm gonna get better on my own and so I just don't want to be in it or it's I I think being in a hospital is a death sentence or what um and so you had you had that, and then on the, on the flip side in Wuhan, when you saw the the thing was is you'd have like a sick person, and then uh, especially because it was around the time of Chinese New Year, like their whole family would take them to the hospital, and so then they're all exposed to stuff, and like if they had just like let the guy like go himself, then that probably wouldn't have happened, um, but. But yeah, I mean, you had had like weird, weird behavior. I mean, even in even in Taiwan during their current outbreak, uh, you have people who are like testing positive and then like running away and well, not showing up. I do want to say, I think, them. I think actually this is probably most of this is probably rational behavior because what is happening, I think you test positive for COVID and then realize you're going to be locked in a hospital or whatever. Like, you know, if it's your... Uh, if you're in China, you're going to get locked into your apartment complex and the whole complex is going to get locked down, right? And you're right. just going to die in there, potentially. This is right. this is what you're thinking, right? You're going to die in the hospital. Right, right. Whereas if you can, right. if you can get right. out, you know, there's there's a shot, which to me seems like a, you know, yeah, rational. Th- th- there is a rational viral load um, argument to make for it. I just don't think they're thinking that way. I mean, especially like so early on. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, no, but I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like you said, they're, they're feeling healthy and they're thinking to themselves that test is bullshit. Right. And they're going to lock me in with a bunch of sick people. Right. Uh, which, you know, I could see, I could see that. that, Yeah. Right. I saw that YouTube with the PCR inventor. Like, we don't know what they saw. Um, yeah. No, but you know, if you're you're feeling totally healthy, you know, you're feeling totally healthy and and you think to yourself, they've they've tested me positive for this, but I have no symptoms at all. I mean, I could see uh, not wanting to get locked in a hospital with a bunch of people, you know, I don't know. It's just, just me. I I, I can't, maybe I I said this on another episode, my great grandfather, maybe this was on the last one. So I don't know if it'll get released, but. My great grandfather in World War One, he was gassed uh, and left for um, left for dead in no man's land. And so his three buddies, uh, and they were all from North. Da- I, yeah, I think they were all from North Dakota at that time. I can't remember if he moved there later. Or it was there, but somewhere in that like upper north uh, midwest he um so they went they they were pretty sure they had seen him like moving and still alive when they retreated so in the night they went and got him and dragged him back and they did not they like consciously did not bring him even though he was in like terrible shape right they didn't take him to the uh field hospital because the Spanish flu was like a death sentence. Yeah. Like they, they knew that was like not a good place to be. Right. And so they 
kept him kept him like in their tent or trench or whatever and nursed him back to health themselves um, well this is a fantastic so, actually let me let me interject uh, because this is a fantastic tie-in with uh, one of the other books that that I, I i actually want to talk about i'll just talk about it for a second uh is um catherine ann porter's uh, catherine ann porter's pale horse pale rider and she uh wrote that during uh the spanish flu outbreak in 1918 uh, or after afterwards, it was based on on her experience, and I, th- I believe that it was a true experience uh, that she based it on, which was that she uh, and um, I may be confused about this, but it, it's certainly the case that the main character uh, or the two main characters were a uh, woman and the uh, the GI that she met um, during the time of the Spanish flu, uh, and I believe that this is actually what happened to Catherine Ann Porter herself. Which is that? Uh, anyway, she she met a GI and they fell in love and um, th- and then and this is happening during uh, was this uh, it's in California I believe uh, maybe San Francisco it's been a while but any, anyway he uh, uh, the the GI ends up in the hospital and so does she they're both I believe in the hospital at the same time they come down with the Spanish flu she uh, wakes up and um, he's dead so they were both i believe they're both in the hospital at the same time so uh and i and as memory serves i think that this actually happened to Catherine ann porter as well but in any case she survived the the spanish flu and going into the hospital i don't know you know if it was something that happened before they came down with symptoms i mean in the in the in the short story you actually see the run-up where she's uh the sickness itself um, kind of uh, intertwines with the the un- oncoming sickness itself. Kind of intertwines with her um, emotional state because uh, besides the love uh, element, she's her sort of main thematic interest with the story is um, to talk about the jingoism um, that was in the air prior to World War One, and uh, this is this is kind of an interesting time because. The the point I wanted to make was that that the the outbreak of the disease becomes this um, vehicle for making some other point, which in in her case was uh, to say something about American jingoism leading up to World War One. But um, what it, what was it with La Peste? Is La Peste straightforwardly about the plague, or is it about something else? thematically well yeah i mean knowing camus um certainly not i mean there's there's many many other layers there but what what comes to mind for you the lead up for to world war ii so there's the 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 things going on there sort of echoes the the pale horse pale rider with with uh world war one and then i was going to go all the way back to um to I was looking throughout history, actually, and the things that I've read that are plague, uh, plague stories, and, and you go back quite far, actually. Uh, there's, of course, there's stuff in in um, ancient uh, Greece and Rome, but uh, the one that sticks out to me, I guess, is is the Decameron by Boccaccio, and sure. uh, the the deal there is it becomes so. This a I, this, by the way, is. Um, a story, a, a frame story. The the Decameron is a frame story that uh, includes 
uh, or the the frame story is a bunch of Italian young um, upper crust no- nobility young men and women who decide they're going to escape the plague and go off to a villa in the countryside and and that's the frame that the the frame around which uh, basically he tells a, a a bunch of short stories um, about you know uh, the misuse of power or the uh, qualities of love and things like that. So the the people are are trying to pass the time um, outside the the plague city, and they're just telling these stories. Uh, and this is becomes sort of a vehicle for um, Italian humanism. And um, so, for instance, like uh, Chaucer, uh, you know, everybody knows the Canterbury Tales. The Canterbury Tales is is a um, certainly not a ripoff. It's it's but but he takes that. Um, same sort of thing. Right, the yeah, same thing. Right. Frame, the frame yeah. tale, right, right, right. So he takes that from Boccaccio. But he also takes uh, Italian humanism. And, or, you know, like, not to say that he was necessarily directly in touch with Boccaccio or whomever, but, uh, or, uh, I mean, among the Italian, like Dante, among the, the Italian humanists, but rather that his his works were inspired by them. Uh, and so you get, you know, sort of Italian Humorism, uh, humanism gets imported into England uh, in the 14th century. For, uh, a good example um, probably be like, for instance, uh, the Decameron is, is a sort of uh, early... He, he takes into consideration, um, I guess you could say, the plight of women, or he sort of raises, raises women uh, above the common um, in this sort of, sort of an early thing that, that comes out of that. Uh, but yeah, it's a early, early plague lit. I was, I was trying to sort of like go through the plague literature. Then the next thing that you have, or not the next thing, but a, a, another big one, I think is probably Defoe. I don't know if you know this one, but that's, uh, what's the Defoe? It's a journal of the plague year or something like that. And that is actually where Camus got his story from. So that would be a good one. Uh, might be a good one for people to read as well. There you go. No, that's good. The, um, yeah, I mean, I think another thing that is certainly in Camus um, is a uh, kind of theodicy. So one of the um, so quite, uh, problem of evil, um, problem of God sort of question, uh, because there is a Jesuit priest that is ministering to the, uh, the city, and he s- immediately sees the plague as a uh, judgment from God, right? right? Uh, that this is something that is, uh, and this is obviously biblical and prophetic and everything. I mean, um, and so he's seeing it in that way. And there is a child who gets sick and the priest prays for the child and prays for God's mercy. And the child still dies. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, the priest himself dies, right? And uh, there's there's just this question of that. And Camus is uh, has his um, uh, the who ends uh, turns out to be the narrator, but the main character, um, Doctor Rieu, um, is uh, an atheist, and he, he they they have this kind of um, give and take relationship with this priest. And I think I mean Camus is kind of sympathetic. And you know portrays the priest like not in a negative light, but uh, so it kind of sees that as a very futile 
sort of uh, approach to life and everything. And so I, I was thinking I mean, she was writing as a historic novel, and so not um, it was not written during that time. But um, Sigurd Unset's Kristen Lavin's daughter, uh, the final book in it, uh, The Cross. So it's a, it's a three three book set. Um, and kind of the, the, the very end, the climax is when the Black Death finally arrives in uh, Norway. And it's, uh, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And uh, basically, it's just this relentless thing that after a life, a pretty difficult life, and I think it's a great book, um, series of books that people should read, but um, that it comes down to that um and it's because at that time certainly i mean i think the death rate in the the black plague was like 30 percent or something i mean if you got it it was uh, a real likely death sentence um and uh but it then it becomes interesting because and this is historical not literature but the black death really enabled europe to grow tremendously after that because it was depopulated and so there was a lot of um, opportunity for people to accumulate land and everything uh, and probably created the bourgeoisie eventually which in our Marxist dialectic uh, was really what allowed the breakout from feudalism right yeah that's what we're all about here the Marxist dialectic there was a, you you uh, brought up another <clears throat> point, which was that you uh, wanted to talk about sort of like how the the pump was primed um, for this insanity with our popular culture, which is to say, um, we'll get to this in a second, which is to say zombies. But just before that, there were some other ones as well, um, quite popular sort of like play, uh, you know, plague or or mysterious disease novels and, and movies and one that i can remember is blindness do you remember that one jose saramago uh where all basically all the the characters go strangely blind and i think that came out when i was uh, that came out like maybe 15 years ago or more and another one is uh what's that movie um children of men yeah that's and and that's a novel i've not seen the I've read the PD, so PD James, right? So she 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 wrote a lot of detective novels, and then um, this dystopian science fiction one. Uh, I've never seen the movie, but I've read the book. So anyway, back to the uh, like on to what you uh, mentioned as far as like uh, priming the pump is zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back to like George Romero and the original zombie movies, it was pretty basically a uh, critique of consumerism right uh and the who say americans have become yeah blind shoppers yeah, yeah yeah um and everything so so and and that's very fun and that's a good i think that's right so you had this resurgence um in the last maybe like 20 years um where it's just uh Again, it's like a black play. It's just like this like relentless outbreak that takes over everybody and it doesn't symbolize anything. It's just death coming for you. And the only way to survive is you and your crew uh, amassing weapons and stuff um, and just like holding out and doing it. The, the most uh, popular um, in the last decade has been the show The Walking Dead. Um, 
which is the only thing to really commend it is it's shot in Georgia. Yeah. So it has some nice countryside scenes. Yeah. yeah I think they used okay. to they they used to film yeah. while I was trying to go to class because you know after I after the 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 Marine Corps I so I did like two years then Marine Corps then two two final years afterwards so I was in I was actually in okay. in undergrad quite late uh, like. Um, I think I graduated in 2011, uh, and, uh, yeah, they used to shoot and just really annoy me because I was trying to get to my, my Vietnamese noodles, but they would have scaffold right. scaffolding up, you know, in the middle of the city. Really? Uh, I hate Hollywood. I especially hate Hollywood in Georgia. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. sorry. The, um, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think, um, so, so you know and and that's that's the epitome of this where it's um okay we're a group of people together like a benetton ad of people um and we're up against this like virus or this zombie thing that's happening and there's no reason why and like there's no way to survive um except whatever and being like a Benetton ad. What is and what is so, the what's the like sort of? There's the old Romero, uh, Romero movies, and um, as you said, that's more about consumerism. And you kind of wonder what is the uh, what's the zeitgeist that's or, or like you know the collective unconscious or whatever. If we want to get Jungian, I suppose. What's the what underlies this last twenty years of you know like sort of how did how did uh, this different theme for zombie movies emerge or television shows emerge what is it if it's consumerism you know and and sort of fun poking fun at american consumerism before what is it now yeah i don't i well so what comes to mind is uh you're not allowed to make movies about uh real life bad guys anymore right i mean like uh unless they're nazis Mm. but that you can't make enough movies about that and so you you've got to um, make movies where the face like you can't make a movie about Indians anymore like Indian raiders um, going against your your village right. or something and so you know e- even like uh, Soviets would not work because communism is good or whatever so um, that that comes to mind as something where it's like okay these are movies that are about unambiguous bad guys and they're not humans Um and so we we can do that. And then the other side is just there's just a lot of uh, I don't know that. But what do you, do you does anything come to mind for you? Oh, you know, you you think it's something like um, social dread. What do we say? Im- impotence, impotence, uh, and and um, just sort well, of unrelenting. Yeah, unrelenting. What it feels like to me. What it feels like to me is that we're in the in the end stage, people sense it at some level, and the um, the enemies that we have are sort of faceless, interchangeable, um, and unrelenting. Yeah, yeah. I, I you so you've I've, you've you've maybe um, followed some of this um, news story about the supposed hack of the colonial gasoline guzzling. oh right yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it guzzling the guzzling, yeah sure so in matt in in mad max right. Right? um so the the so they said oh it's it's been hacked um and so like the whole everybody was having to like buy 
plastic bags full of gasoline right. or whatever to store in their living room. But the uh, Congress, in their useless way, called the CEO in for hearings yeah. or something. And what came out of it is um, every all of the guys, and they are all the guys, um, who knew how to manually operate the pipeline because it wasn't always computerized uh, are all retired or dead. And so there was no fallback from that. And that is very um, late Roman Empire thinking and language, mm. you know, where um, sort of north of England by Hadrian's Wall went within a generation from having basically plumbing to the dark ages uh and just nobody knew how to do anything anymore and so you've got you know dams in california cracking a couple of years ago this supposed pipeline hack which i think we could do an episode on that nonsense uh but yeah so so yeah there there's this i uh, i guess in the back of people's minds, they they know because they see like a little bit of it in their lives um, as it relates to them that, oh, something is missing and maybe the, we don't have everything that it's going to take to keep this going along. And so um, there's this like atavistic fear of that collapse happening. There's something and there's so something that, too that you see, that, which is yeah. that you never have triumphalism anymore. You can win. You no. can even, you can get the girl, uh, there's no... You can survive. Yeah, you survive. Yeah. You, you just get by. You get to go, you get to con continue for another day in, in the hellscape. There's that one, there's that fun, like that fun movie with, uh, what is it, Jesse Eisenberg and um, uh, the guy from Cheers. Uh, this is this is show you how much I know about movies and TV. Um, Woody Harrelson uh, and Jesse Eisenberg and then that redhead chick. Anyway, it's uh, Zombieland, that is, that's the one. Uh, it's like a fun romp, but um, yeah, there's no there's no real triumphalism at the end. And it's, uh, another thing is that um, we have no more uh, characters anymore who are um, worthy of emulation. So, for instance, the you know that well that yeah go ahead yeah that's the that's the flip side of the you can't have any bad guys right. So you can't you can't have the band of Indians right. And you can't have the you can't have the cowboy either, right? Yeah, uh, and yeah, the the you, I, I suppose that what people would come back with is like the Marvel, uh, but that's I mean every single one of those characters is flat, and they're all losers. Uh, sorry, I like you know every single one of them is, is you know there's nothing heroic in any of them except the fact that they have like strength or something. So there's, there's none of the none of the characters. No, they're all dweeb. They're all dweeb. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. With you know, like with uh, snippy one-liners, and you know, they're sorry for sorry for being strong and independent. Let's go, right. let's go, ladies. Whatever. Uh, yeah. So you, you don't have any of that in any of the movies either. So yeah, it's like both sides, as you say, uh, are are much yeah. decayed. But I think. Yeah, but I think I mean, and this would not have been true in China. So you can't say this is universal. No, 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 no. But see, uh, yeah, but you, you saw. Yeah, I mean, there's well, China has its own problems. But no, no, in, but well, you're totally but, right, though, because it's 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 China, as we keep saying, still has cultural cachet. They still have asabia. 
Uh, and, you know, I was like, today, someone, somebody from, you know, from our side, whatever, we don't, we don't have a side, but, you know, uh, on Twitter was making fun of the Chinese for line dancing. Like, uh, you know, why are these, why are they so robotic and militaristic or whatever? But, you know, don't, don't you wish that people you still got together and did line dancing and, you know, square dancing? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's civil society. That's, that's not bowling alone. Right. And so you used to have square dancing and stuff like that. And Um, if you look at a Chinese movie that it's, it's capable men, uh, against nature, you know, saving the world. And in the end, you you may have lost a couple of friends along the way, but, uh, you know, China ends up. I don't know, going to the center of the universe and triumphing overall or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think that these these zombie movies in particular, um, because they got into, they dug really, really deep into the millennial and zillennial, zillennial, like brain stem. And so there was just like a lot of that. that was, so so the boomers were bad because they, they thought, okay, I, I want to extend anything that can be done to extend my life, um, whatever the cost, you know. Oh, yeah. But then there's, a, there's another people, angle is like that, the, that, ever, that we're seeing all these actual real zombies walking around with flesh hanging off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, you know, so then though the, the there was just a lot of the response and like the hoarding toilet paper and then I'm just going to hole up in my house um, and, um, you know, with my crew, with my my bubble uh, or whatever you call it. um, And that just just got it. But it's just like there's just this great fear. And, yeah, it's fear of death. It's fear of this, like, unknown stuff or whatever and not really believing in anything um, beyond, I don't know, consumerism and Funko, Funko Pop bobblehead toys and avengers movies and and stuff, we also need so. to put our all of our books uh in color color order that's important right <laughs> yeah um and quinoa so yeah and quinoa yeah people they do love the quinoa so i i don't know um shall we leave on a good note let's leave on a good note uh anyway read read books i put links to books i'm gonna put links to books on the website uh, go to Amazon. Buy those well, the books. Good, the, yeah, the, the good note. The good. Yeah, there's better stuff than The Walking Dead. Um, oh yeah. And yeah. I'll, the Avengers movies. Okay. Yeah. I got a, just. I got a couple of things. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of things. Then one is that on Urbit, I have started a group for people who want to read really good stuff and not watch, you know, The Walking Dead. If you want to read really good books. Come over there. We're reading Burton's Anatomy of, Mel- uh, of Melancholy starting next week, and then somebody else also wants to start the the works, all the complete works of Sir Thomas Brown. And uh, I have read, I think I've read everything that that Sir Thomas Brown wrote. But I'm going to do it again because you know, if you, it's like the Bible. You know, you put it on your bedside and you pick it up uh, whenever. But anyway, uh, so that's good news. My son. Um, it's two today, so I've managed to keep. Ah, I've managed to, happy birthday. Yeah, I managed to keep my son alive for two years, which is um better than better than any houseplant. Uh, and uh, I turned forty on what's the day? 
tomorrow's the 11th is friday so saturday i'll be 40 yeah wow yeah amazing and i look i think uh not a day over 39 and a half so doing well it's all the um it's all the rum pangolin it's all the pangolin placenta <laughs> it is yeah it's that it's that uh and that what i tell my what i tell people when they ask me why i look young i say that i spent my 20s pickling myself uh it's wisdom you know pickle yourself in your 20s well well preserved correct indeed yeah um okay well yeah hopefully one of these days we'll have a sponsor from a Baggio company yeah that's uh, the for pickling purposes that's the ideal it'll be an advertisement with me inside the bottle just floating around like a like a you know a fetus or a or a pig or something a pig fetus it's gonna be great all right well that is a positive note to end on Thank you for listening. Please visit us at www.thestack.link or find us on Twitter at thestack.link, all one word. And please remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Josh, and with Andy, we are The Stack.